Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in live again. Uh, today is April 2nd. It is 1 p.m., and you are currently watching the Skill Building Sunday Drawing Group, hosted by me, Jason Leeser. And if this is working for you, please let us know in the comments and in the chats, and please tag a friend who loves tattoos. And welcome to Guy Aitchison's Reinventing the Tattoo Community, where tattooers, apprentices, collectors, and the curious are encouraged to join in these live streams, real world events, to share and inspire and ultimately create better art and tattoos together. We beam out nearly every day and have, with your help have evolved into a quality network of amazing live and on-demand tattoo and art shows that have all been receiving rave reviews. You can find Reinventing the Tattoo in both of the app stores, the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. You can also find Reinventing the Tattoo on our YouTube channel, Reinventing the Tattoo YouTube, as well as our Reinventing the Tattoo Roku channel, which has 12 to 15 episodes streaming at any given time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also find Reinventing the Tattoo in all of the major podcast directories, such as Apple and Spotify. Or you can just go to Google and search for Reinventing the Tattoo. You'll find it all, except for the book. The book is out of print. I've been trying to get a copy of it myself. So good luck with that. And if you come across a copy, let me know. Uh, but no matter where you are watching live or on demand, you can always get the latest and greatest at www.reinventingthetattoo.com. You can try it out for free. We've got a number of sample webinars that you can pick from, uh, as well as a sample webinar from the Reinventing the Tattoo Canon. You can choose some free advice from Guy about setting your own goals. You can even go through and take a comprehensive tattoo history course from Jay Brown. Um, we also have a full event schedule as well as all of the weekly events and all of the live special events that we host through Reinventing the Tattoo. All of those live stream details are available at www.reinventingthetattoo.com. We also have a number of professional development courses from over 20 world-class tattoo artists. Once again, also available on the website. If this is working for you, please let us know in the comments and in the chats, and please tag a friend who loves tattoos. Uh, some of our weekly staple shows that we always encourage people to tune into starting on Sundays at 1 p.m. with me, Jason Leeser, for the Skill Building Sunday Drawing Group. Um, Following today's episode, tomorrow on Monday, we have three separate shows starting at 9 a.m. with Drawing for Tattooers with James Wisdom, where we go through and we discuss basic drawing techniques and strategies, you know, things that we all need to brush up on from time to time that help make us better artists. Following that on Mondays at 5 p.m., we have Let's Talk About Feelings with Robbie Ripple, uh, where we go through and discuss, you know, how we feel about certain things. It's not usually a very popular topic in the tattoo industry, but it can be very helpful. Following that, on Mondays at 9 p.m., we have a subscriber-exclusive drawing group with Sandy McAndrew from the Reinventing the Tattoo Network. Uh, you can only get access to that, though, if you are a subscriber to the Reinventing the Tattoo Canon or the Reinventing the Tattoo Evolution course. So please be aware of that. Highly recommend it. Um, if you have one of those subscriptions, tune in for the Monday night broadcasts and for the Monday night drawing exercises. Trust me when I say from personal experience, 
it is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, really helps you step your game up and really helps you maintain accountability for you know, self-improvement. Following that, on Tuesdays at 10 a.m., I believe we still have a live uh, webinar with Ricardo Certivan, very good friend of mine, uh, incredibly talented tattooer and fine artist. Following that, on Thursdays at 6 p.m., we have the Tattoo Collecting 101 podcast with Fawn Baker. Um, always a joy to listen in on that one. Um, it's absolutely awesome, and I highly recommend you check that one out. I would like to say a quick hello and thank you to some of our sponsors and the people that make these uh, shows happen. Starting off with worldtattooevents.com, the largest, most comprehensive resource for tattoo events worldwide. And they're constantly keeping everything up to date because as we know, living in this post-pandemic world, tattoo events are still getting rescheduled and postponed and moved around like crazy. So if you're looking for the latest and greatest, most up-to-date information on tattoo events coming to a city near you, or maybe it's a city that you're looking to travel to, um, I know I always check out worldtattooevents.com whenever I'm looking to travel to a country and maybe I want to take a vacation. I'll take a look at their calendar and find out, you know, depending on where I'm going, who knows, maybe there's a convention going on in that area. So for the latest and greatest information on tattoo events, take a look at worldtattooevents.com. Tattoonow.com, technology for tattooers. This is the leading edge in professional development, management, and digital tools for tattooers of all skill levels. Doesn't matter if you're just starting out, doesn't matter if you've owned a studio for 20 years, if you're really looking to attract the clientele that you want to tattoo, the clientele that's looking to, to get the kinds of tattoos that you really want to do, if you're looking to optimize your scheduling, if you're looking to optimize your client reach um, and your client management, take a look at TattooNow.com. These are the guys that go through and can make that happen to make your studio literally at the top notch of what it has the potential to be. So once again, take a look at TattooNow.com. And as always, this wouldn't be reinventing the tattoo without a very personal, heartfelt, and professional thank you to Guy Aitchison at GuyAitchison.com. He is the founder and inspiration behind reinventing the tattoo. Go to GuyAitchison.com where you can pick up a copy of his Biomech Encyclopedia. Uh, he's got some DVDs for sale. He's got countless fine art prints and occasionally some original oil paintings, all for sale at GuyAitchison.com. We'd also like to thank some of our affiliates, um, starting out with the Apprenticeship Diaries with Amy Nichols. Uh, the Apprenticeship Diaries is the number one resource to go to. If you're looking to get a tattoo apprenticeship, take a look at the Apprenticeship Diaries with Amy Nichols. Not just because I have an interview on there, but also because it is literally the number one resource for people that are seeking a tattoo apprenticeship. If you are looking for an alternate source of information, take a look at the Fireside Tattoo Network with Jake Meeks. Um, there's tons of great interviews and great information located on that network as well. And I would like to give a very personal thank you to Aaron Williams and the folks over at TATCOM. 
Um, Aaron Williams is the mad scientist diving into the science and technology behind tattooing. Uh, for example, he's done a number of different videos on how ink gets into the skin, uh, really looking into the science behind it and developing tools that will help tattooers apply tattoos better, more efficiently, and more effectively. So if you're looking for the latest tattoo technology, like hardware-wise, take a look at Tatcom. You will not be disappointed. I can guarantee that. As always, if you liked today's episode, we ask that you please post a positive review on the channel and help us get the word out. Um, if you would like to host a Reinventing the Tattoo event, become a sponsor of our community, or maybe you're just looking for a fine art or tattoo critique, please drop us an email at management at reinventingthetattoo.com. We will be happy to get back to you literally as soon as we can. Um, and that kind of wraps it up for the intro. So let's see who we've got on here today. I think Seth was trying to join us a minute ago, um, but it looks like he's no longer in the waiting area. We've got Medusa with us today. Uh, Medusa, as always, thank you so much for joining in. Uh, as you know, I hate being alone in this stuff by myself, so I very much appreciate it. Um, and I am trying to stream out to Facebook as well. I don't know if that's going very well or not. I don't think it is, but I could be wrong. Uh, so uh, today's topic is the recap. Um, so the last weekend, I was just out at the Skindustry Tattoo Expo. Um, absolutely amazing. It was everything I had ever wanted it to be. Um, it was absolutely phenomenal. Highly recommend it. Highly. If you guys ever get the chance to work at that show, do it. It, it was awesome. I was hanging out with Jimmy D'Alessio most of the weekend. Um, and in fact, let me pull up Jimmy's work. Uh, Jimmy's work is out of this world. He was there doing freehand stuff all weekend from small little bangers to like tops of the hands. I mean, absolutely incredible stuff. Uh, there we go. Instagram. I mean, this dude is insanely talented. We were talking most of the weekend about how from the style of work that he does, there's a very big crossover to the like biomech style and the fine art style of tattooing. Um, and, you know, it was something that we we really kind of honed in on and we started really looking at a lot of the parallels. Oh, there's Seth. And let me just pull up Jimmy's work and then I will share that. There's Seth. How's it going, Seth? What's going on? How you doing, Jason? Pretty good. Just doing a quick recap of last weekend. Um, sharing the profiles of some of the people I got to hang out with. Uh, this oh, is fun. Jimmy D'Alessio. Um, watching him work and watching this guy literally sit down and just draw stuff on all weekend and just absolutely knock it out of the park was incredible. 
um, does a lot of very graphic, very textured horror black and gray stuff, but he also does do a lot of color work as well. Um, this is a rework nice. of an original John Clue piece um, on Chris Longo. And I mean, absolutely smashed it, man. I mean, this thing is so on point, so saturated and so vibrant. It's ridiculous. Um, did John do that? Uh, John originally did it. And then this was recently redone by Jimmy D'Alessio. Um, awesome. You know, we were discussing a lot of the parallels with a lot of the, the horror black and gray stuff, a lot of the you know, very textured kind of uh, fine art aspects behind it and how he includes a lot of the same kind of characteristics in what he does um, compared to like the biomech kind of style. So it was really, nice. really enlightening to actually go through and see that and hear how everything kind of crosses over. Yeah, Chris is a good dude, man. Chris Longo. Oh, Chris Longo is a great guy. Um, yeah. Got to talk to him and network with him and just pick his brain about a whole bunch of stuff. Had him come over and take a look at something I was working on. And nice. he really loved it. And that was like the highlight of my weekend right there. Yeah. It was amazing. Mayor. Yeah, he, he really is the mayor of Tattooville. Um, that's kind of his nickname in the community. So if anyone is ever curious, if anyone is ever um, interested in uh, getting tattooed at a studio, take a look at Town Hall Tattoo in Wilkesboro, Pennsylvania. Um, that is where Chris hangs out quite frequently. And um, yeah, he's a great guy just to go and like hear some of the stories that he has. It's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, he's been around a long time. Yeah, I'm actually planning on taking a road trip up to hang out with him uh, one weekend and just go up and hang out, interview him and talk to him and, you know, maybe yeah. get some uh, some video of some of his collections of tattoo memorabilia, tattoo sure. machine collections. Um, this dude has been around and getting tattooed for a very long time. Uh, there was a rumor going around a while ago that he was actually starting his like second or third bodysuit. Um, yeah. that is not true by the way. Um, uh, I asked him about that and if that rumor was true and he said it absolutely was not, that he definitely would not be able to take, you know, getting all of that work done again. Uh, yeah. you know, it, no, it's a lot, but he's literally covered all over the place, but he's such a nice guy, just a genuine human being. Um, yeah. And I can't wait to head out there and hang out with him, do some uh, do some interviews with him and take a look at his collections. Um, nice. He's just a great guy. But I was there working with two very good friends of mine, uh, Dennis Smythe and uh, Ian Chapin over at Yellow Rose Tattoo. Dennis um, is such an awesome kid, man. Oh, uh, dude, that guy never ceases to amaze me with just he's he's a fine artist, man. He will sit down and you can be like, yo, I'm looking for something like this. And he'll be like, well, I don't have anything drawn up, but give me a couple minutes. Three minutes later, it's like perfect, you know, yeah. and it's like he's so efficient and so quick and his work is so clean and awesome. It's got a very kind of old school style, like an old school feel to it, but it's definitely not old school, if that makes any sense. Like he's not outlining everything yeah. with like a 14 round liner. 
but you know it's got that same kind of very heavy bold outline very simplified color scheme that you know it's going to last forever so Dennis, I, I know you don't watch these things, but if you do ever hear about this, um, dude, you've been a huge influence on me, man. I can't thank you enough. Uh, you know, working with everyone that was there was just absolutely incredible. Uh, it, it was it was just an awesome time. Absolutely awesome. Um, would also like to say a big thank you to Genevieve uh, over at Town Hall Tattoo. Uh, thank you so much for all of the compliments and, you know, for tolerating my presence. Um, Genevieve and I got into like a little bit of a uh, sarcastic insult war over the weekend, and it was absolutely a blast. Um, but she actually did ask me towards the end of the show if I would be interested in doing a back piece on her. Um, and to which, of course, I said yes. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome. So now I'm just trying to go through and flesh that out and, you know, trying to get a better idea of like what she's looking for. I've got a couple ideas together, but, um, you know, obviously it's going to be interesting to see how things pan out. Uh, this is kind of the, the rough layout of what I've got so far, just brainstorming ideas about things and she's really into the art nouveau style which is awesome so i'm thinking you know maybe just going through doing maybe i was thinking maybe a bird up here or or like a deer walking through the woods in the wilderness i know down here we're going to end up throwing some thistle flowers um down here at the bottom corner kind of coming out bit now so just as a rough idea we're going to do some like thistles down here kind of coming out kind of making it look like you know it's popping out of or through some of these art nouveau elements um these would also have some You know, just getting some rough mock-up ideas together just to see where things end up going. This is a stock photo, by the way. It's not her actual back. She does need to go through and get some laser removal done, which I said was actually perfect because it generally takes me a bit of time to get full back pieces and large-scale projects drawn up. So everything should work out pretty well. Hopefully Seth didn't get pulled over. I think that may be why he kind of ducked out, but I could be wrong. I, uh, um, I'm just excited to see what you're going to do with like the main focal point, the centerpiece. Well, and that's kind of what I was, you know, uh, wait, that's Seth again. Maybe he didn't get pulled over. Let's hope not. Yeah, Seth, saying... is that you? Oh, yeah, I'm back, man. Sorry, I drove through a bad area in Connecticut. Oh, I, I thought you got pulled over. No. <laughs> no, I'd keep that online here. Are you oh, kidding me? That's, uh, that's yeah. huge ratings. 
Yeah, dude, that be dope. Oh, yeah. Okay, so sure. if you do get pulled over, you have to Will promise you me you're gonna do that? something. It's like Beetlejuice. You can't say that more than three times. I'm just yeah, saying, if if it happens, it. if it happens, you have to get tased. What? You have to get tased. You have <laughs> to take one for the, the team and get tased. It's all That's for the it. ratings. For the rating. <laughs> there would that would definitely go viral. That would be awesome. Uh, I mean, I'm. I also I'm might down, down to be here. That That'd yeah. be also great for the ratings. Uh, yeah, amazing. Somebody you get just, a little splashback going on. We just need to preemptively call Jimmy Kimmel. Like, yeah. don't tease me, bro. Happened. Don't tease me. Yeah, gonna say something funny right before it happens. All for <laughs> tattooing. Ah. <laughs> Uh, the tattoo gods. The tattoo. Would... Skill building Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> the tattoo gods would definitely bless, bless you. I mean, they they've the already career. blessed him enough. I mean, it's hard to keep up with the guys. So, yo, I got a uh, a little kind of a uh, off topic thing, real quick. Uh, it's just uh, some fun that happened yesterday. Uh, kind of brought me back to my childhood. I uh, and it involves art a little bit. So, like. I don't know if you guys remember things like Saturday morning cartoons, you know, when I was in the eighties and nineties, it was a, it was a huge deal, big influence Uh, on things that I started drawing off early on. So I went to go uh, see the Dungeons and Dragons movie. My daughter wanted to see it over the weekend. Um, And I didn't even know there was a movie until like five days ago. I was like, all right. So we went, go see the movie. And there was this like real quick throwback to the original cartoon Dungeons and Dragons uh, where they had some uh, they had some characters in there that were dressed like the original cartoon. And I was really? like, oh shit! Like I remember that. Yeah, and I I love that stuff. I love like like throwbacks, like Easter egg things. And then that got me thinking this morning. Like, have you guys ever seen anybody do something like that with a tattoo? Like where you're you know not hiding anything that's like you know that you're not supposed to hide, but like doing little like callbacks to somebody else's work or like a piece like I've, I've seen work before where I'm looking at somebody's original artwork and I'm like you know where have I seen something like that before and then it hits me like oh yeah like that's a that's like a, a Philip Lou thing or that's you know what I mean like a, a dragon call that's I mean finger waves that are done a certain way or something like that I mean where it's more than just an inspiration where it's like a straight like a straight borrow but it's used in such a way that's like only a, another tattooer would know it yes yeah, I 100%. I see that kind of stuff all the time. Uh, do you remember the the flash set that uh, Bob Tyrell came out with way back when that was oh, like Shane. all the Bob Tyrell, Shane O'Neill and Bob Tyrell, yeah. Paul Booth? Of course, of course. Stuff like that. You, I see stuff like that and like certain elements in that all the time. You know, whether it's like the negative space swirls or like the smoky wisps that are all negative space, whether it's the textures or the way that certain things are rendered, like it's just I see that kind of a thing all the time. And it's only something that like another tattooer would really be able to pick out, like you were saying. And that's only because like we've spent the time to study stuff like that. And like say, oh, okay, well, that's really cool the way that they did that. Or like Philip Blue Finger Waves or, um, you know, Jess Yen color schemes. You know, so it's like, I don't know. 
I see that kind of well, stuff all the time. What are you working on there? A little back piece concept. Uh, it's nothing crazy. I'm just like conceptualizing, playing around, nice. trying stuff out. Um, you know, I was thinking maybe we could do like a little fawn, like a little fawn deer. Uh, that could work. Uh, I was thinking. Is this for a project or you just kind of. So I was, I was asked this past weekend if I would be willing to do a back piece on someone. Um, and I said, yeah, it takes me a little while to get it drawn out, but you know, I'm down. I know that they're a big fan of Art Nouveau stuff. So it's like, okay, uh, Art Nouveau frames, you know, thinking about centerpieces and like, what do I want to do in the middle? Originally, sure. I was thinking like, um, you know, even if I just did something like, you know, some grass texture in the yeah. foreground, you know, like a little meadow scene that could work well. Sure. Um, Use those little windows up at the top for like close ups of other things that would be in the scenery. I mean, I could. I was thinking about maybe even doing like uh, cloud work, but then keeping. So here's my concept, right? Let me know if you guys think it's a good idea. Um, I was thinking about actually keeping all of the like Art Nouveau frames, quote unquote, right? I was thinking about keeping all of them negative. So yeah. almost using that as like a window into this other world. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, so sure. if I were to go up at the top and let's grab a light blue. You know, just as like a rough idea just for yeah you know doing a little bit of blue in the sky adding in some clouds here and there i'm totally gonna like try to bob ross this right. in just a second so maybe like be cool to see like those little triangles up on the corner you know like if you had so you do this whole scene right you get the sky up there and then eliminate the sky in those parts and take something that you would see maybe in the just those two corners one on either side something that you would see like close up like let's say like maybe like a an oak leaf cluster with a couple of acorns in it on one side and then on the other side like a close up of a little critter or something then it almost becomes like a telling a story through the whole thing you know what i mean i mean that could work um here's what i originally had in mind is if i went through and i said okay uh let's do here like the clouds coming in front of that thing too that was interesting the clouds coming in front of the circles we could definitely do something like that i mean right now i'm just thinking if we go through or if i go through and i did something like this you know what I mean? So leaving yeah. like leaving the actual flesh tone of the back as the frame yeah. itself, you know, using it almost as like a window where you're seeing through yeah. to this scene. I think I thought that would be kind of cool. Definitely. Now keep it just like that and then pull that cloud on the on the left hand side there, the one that's coming out lower for the right, my right. Uh, see if you can pull that in front of the circle. Yeah. 
like the circles passing through the cloud. Yeah, let me see that back that up again. See, I think that would distort the perspective a bit more, though, uh, yeah, don't you think? Definitely. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, that's no good. No bueno. Está no bueno. But, you know, maybe throwing. Yeah, that looks cool, though, man. I like that, that having that skin tone in it. Yeah, maybe throwing some like poppy flowers up here. Oh, yeah. The trees work. You know, I was thinking about keeping that, but all the ambient like negative or all the ambient like sky scene up at the top. I was thinking about keeping that kind of framed out. You know, and then one larger kind of primary like focal image in the middle, whether it's a deer, like a little fawn. Or like a bird, or um, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out like the middle portion. Like, what yeah. do I really want to be the primary focal point of it? It'd be interesting uh, to see maybe something like if you did a bird, like a uh, like a crane or something like that that's got a long sweeping neck, or something that some something to play off those sweeping shapes on the side. You know well, I, mean? I was. So we could do that. We could do like a blue heron. A blue heron could work. Um, I've got several back pieces already yeah. like sketched out for like different like cranes. And this is just my large scale project folder. You're um, amazing. So organized. Oh, uh, dude, I've got folders and folders like collab sheets. Um, I've got like folders for individual clients, folders for paintings folders for my reinventing the tattoo class so you can actually see like an actual progression over time incredible you know from like the first thing that i did to like you know here's um a heron that we did for like the first class that i ever joined and then i went through and you can kind of see like here's the first final project here's some other stuff that i did throughout where i was really starting to get a better grasp on things um, you know, just going through, moving through, like looking at the actual physical progression of artwork itself. Yeah. So. That's wild. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I tend to be very organized with this stuff. Otherwise I lose files. Um, that was for an old studio I used to work at. Yeah, otherwise I end up losing stuff. I've got a whole folder of appointments, a whole folder of original artwork, potential appointments, uh, you know, people that want to see like some kind of like a really quick draft of something. It's like, I'll throw something together for you real quick, but it ain't going to sure. be nice and finalized. Um, you know, different geometric and mandala stuff. That's all in a folder. You know, awesome. a lot of times I'll use these as backgrounds. Um, or I'll use them as individual motifs within a bigger project, uh, especially yeah. like Art Nouveau stuff. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, some of them are collaborative projects. Some of them are just me playing around. Of course, I've got my Abbott color wheel here. Thank oh, you, Tattoo crazy. Smart. Yeah, Russ is uh, on point with some of that stuff. It's so good. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Very thorough. Yeah. The way that they set everything up. Um, oh, yeah. Very user-friendly. 
yeah, other stuff playing around with notes from seminars, business card layouts, you know, other fun stuff, uh, convention stencils, banner so ideas. Let me uh, have anything that you were, did you have anything in particular that you wanted to uh, talk about today topic wise? Yes, actually. Um, one thing that was picked up and that I kind of overheard someone at the show this past weekend uh, really talking to me about, I had a whole bunch of different full color flash designs out. Um, and everyone kept saying like, oh, I love this. You know, the fact that it's not just a line drawing, it's not just, you know, something that, you know, is there that like, okay, well, that's cool. It's a line drawing, but like, what's it going to look like? You know what I mean? You know, so okay, yeah. one thing I really wanted to talk about and stress to a lot of people is if you're going to set out designs at a show, right, at least do a monochromatic value rendering. Show them what you're capable of. Show them oh. that, you know, you know how to render things and that this is a potential of what it could look like, even if it doesn't have color. You know what, you know what I mean? Sure. Like, make study. sure to illustrate the fact that this is what it could look like, even though it's just a line drawing, like here's some of it with value, right? Yeah. Um, everyone kept saying that they loved the way that my colors stood out against a lot of other stuff that was being put out and stuff like that. Accent your stuff with bright colors. One of the best pieces of convention advice I ever got in my entire life was given to me by Clint Danroth at the London Tattoo Show in 2016 where, you know, I was asking him because he had this like big like display poster board. It was like one of those trifold boards. I was like, I noticed all of your stuff and he had all of these sketches of stuff that he wanted to do. I was like, all of your stuff is drawn in different colors and they're all fairly bright colors. Why is that? You know, he had bright teals, bright purples, pinks, greens, uh, bright reds, oranges, you name it. If it was a bright color, he had a sketch of something he wanted to tattoo sketched out with a value full, just value study, nothing crazy, but it was all sketched out as a value study in a bright color. I was like, well, why is that? Did you just run out of pencil or like, what's going on here? He's like, oh, well, you never know what someone's favorite color is, right? So if I have a design that's drawn in someone's favorite color, they're more likely to stop and take a look at it. And even if they don't pick that design drawn in their color, it gets them over to the booth. And by getting them over to the booth and drawing their attention to your booth, you're more likely to pick up a client to tattoo. Agree. That's a great idea. And it was like this light bulb went off in my head and I was like, dude, you are a genius, an absolute genius. Um, so now every time I draw a design, I, that's, uh... I always try to make at least one super vibrant, bright color jump out. Right. And he's doing it just in one, like a monochromatic. Yeah. He's sketch. just doing like monochromatic value studies. Nice. I love that stuff. And yeah. it's, it's a good point. I tend to notice those a lot more. Right. It, it, you can always add color to it. You can always do it in color and let your client, you know, work with your colors yeah. and stuff like that and be like, well, I really like this idea, this Hanya mask. I'd really like that in blue. 
maybe we could do the waves in like red. Right. Cool. Yeah. That'll work. You know, um, but it, it's little stuff like that to catch people's eye. If you're a tattooer like I am, where you're not booked out for like nine years in a row and you're working at a show and you're trying to attract clients, you know, even if it's just for small banger stuff. I was even talking to Jimmy D'Alessio about this. Once again, going back to him at this past weekend show, all of his stuff was sketched out with like yellows and oranges. And then he did a darker color over top of that to kind of refine the design. But those yellows and oranges were there and it captured your eye. Right. So you saw that and you were like, oh, what's this yellow thing over here? Right. I'm not just talking like, you know, a standard like, golden yellow i'm talking like hazard yellow right yeah and it it was so bright and eye-catching that like you wanted to stop over and see what each one was because they were very vague they were very loose renderings very loose sketches and drawings but he had tons of them and you couldn't really make out what they were from across the room so it kind of forced you to go in and take a look at that so that was a brilliant idea um But come, if you're going to work at a convention, you're going to work at a show, you're going to have flash designs out, do something to draw the eye of people to your booth, right? Bright colors, maybe metallic gold. That's why I love having metallic gold business cards. They're shiny. They catch people's attention, right? Um, Yeah, I pay more for them, but you know what? They look amazing. And everyone always says like, oh, you've got such nice cards. It's like, yeah, there's a reason why you came over and grabbed one. It's shiny. Yep. You know? So they, uh, there's a, a, a non-art-related way to get people over to your booth. Um, at least not even over to your booth, but just to get them to slow down a little bit because you know, oh, that skull looks amazing, by the way. Yeah. I'm look, look, putting look, in a little bit more work on it. Looking good, man. It's getting there. Sure. Thank really you, good. sir. Um, so I, I learned this a few years ago and I started doing it um, because people will, you get waves of people at conventions. And if you're new to working them, you know, feel right. Like you, you can, you can make as many, you know, business connections as you want to, if you're willing to talk. Just getting them to slow down long enough when they walk by your booth to engage them in some sort of a conversation. Um, and I think that idea of having the colored sketches fantastic. I never even considered, like, never even know what somebody's favorite color is. Because I always like seeing those, you know, the pencil sketches that are done in different colors. They, they just, something about seeing that from a distance and then getting up close to it, they're just pleasing to look at, you know. Um, but uh, this helps also, believe it or not, making friends with other tattooers at the same time. I like to have, uh, I always grab a couple bags of those like little uh, tiny, like fun size candies, like the things you would hand out at Halloween, specifically chocolate ones, because people will walk by the booth and slow down just because of the smell and having that. And then every That's morning, idea. the tattooers, the word gets out to the rest of the room, oh, there's candy over at this booth. And every morning, you'll have five or six tattooers come over before the show opens. Oh, you the candy guy? Come on, friends. Grab more candy. You sit there and end up talking to them. You know what I mean? And find out more about them. Just so, a, any any trick that I can possibly do to try and get 
you know, people to slow down, engage in a conversation. I don't care if they take a piece of candy and keep walking. Right. Um, right. But, you know, just from a, a business standpoint, you know, it's, there's little tricks to trying to get people to slow down so that you can engage in the conversation and then start talking about tattoos. And for crying out loud, don't be afraid to talk to everybody. You know, anybody that walks by, just try to engage. And if you can. Absolutely. My, so I did that when I was down at the West Virginia show this past year. Um, I brought candy with me. First time I ever tried that little trick of like candy, but it was also around Halloween. So I was like, okay, well, whatever. Um, I'll bring some candy with me. Maybe, you know, it's around Halloween time. Okay. Maybe parents will bring their kids. They're going to want to do some trick or treating, whatever. Cool. Fine. Whatever. Not a big deal. I'll bring some candy just in case. Um, and what I ended up doing partway through after I ate almost an entire bag of candy to myself, <laughs> shh, quiet. You can't put candy in front of me and not expect me to eat it. Um, yeah. But, you know, it was like, I actually ended up taking my bowl of candy around. I think it was partway through the day on Saturday and actually going booth to booth, handing some of it out. It's great. You know, and it, it worked a treat. You know, everyone was like, oh, you're the guy that was handing out candy to everyone. And I was like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's it. You know, do something to stay memorable. You would be surprised at how much appreciate it, how much people appreciate it. Even clients, because I would hand it out yeah. to the clients too. You know, clients' blood sugar starts to drop and they're like, oh man, really wish yeah. I could like stop to get a snack or something. Oh, the candy guy's coming. Cool. Let me just, yeah. um, I'll, I'll just grab like a piece or two from him, you there know, you and it was a great way to go through and, you know, kind of do it on that kind of a level. And not only did artists appreciate it, clients did as well. Not my clients, but like, cause they had access to the bags of candy. Yeah. So, uh, can we, um, do you mind if I, uh, bring something up kind of like a fundamental thing that's. I see still from time to time the kind of, I think it's so important. And sometimes I I don't know if it's just getting glazed over these days or people aren't paying attention to it, or maybe they're just not being taught, but uh, younger tattooers out there or people that are newer into the business, make sure your designs face the proper direction. It takes a minimal amount of effort to do so. Um, You have a conversation with somebody set the design out they decide they want it on a different side of their leg or a different body part and instead of taking the time to flip the design around you just put it on there and, and, and blast through it and even if you're technically proficient at laying that tattoo on and it's solid and smooth clean bold lines or a portrait that's got perfect blends and great value to it if it's facing the wrong direction that's not just an artist thing that people recognize. They, I, I think even people that aren't necessarily tattoo artists or, or collectors to that matter, if they see a tattoo that's on somebody and it's facing the wrong direction versus the same tattoo or one of equal, we'll say, uh, equal skills uh, done, and then that one's facing the proper direction on the same body part, 100% of the time, people are going to notice the one that's facing forward or facing in or the direction that it should. Um, so placement is like so, so important. And I just feel like sometimes people don't necessarily, you know, you think about things as a whole and you want to draw these designs that fit the whole body. You know, 
believers have way. Prophets not the two things that are around other times, you know, or getting them into a tight spot or something like that. And things like rule number one, make sure make sure it faces the right direction. And I agree. Seth, I completely and totally agree. You know, watch your placement, watch your direction, you know. Make sure it's it's going the right way. There's no getting around it. If it's backwards, it's backwards. You know, if it's upside down because the client has this idea that, you know, they want it for them, quote unquote. All right. I mean, I guess I'll do an American traditional eagle upside down. I don't care. You know, it's not going to look right. And I will tell them as I will tell them that. But if that's what they really want for whatever reason. So a good way to, to try and, you know, make a client understand something like that a little bit more is, uh, you know, specifically when it comes to like writing, like I had a, I had a guy that uh, not too long ago wanted a, uh, it was his first tattoo and he just wanted like a simple compass rose, you know, not the whole compass, just like the face of it, northeast, west, south, and a couple of like uh, oak leaves around it. And he was getting it, getting it on his forearm, and he wanted it facing him so that when he looks down at it, the north would be at his wrist. I said, "Well, you got to understand that you know you look down, you'll see that. That's fine because that's how you would hold a compass in your hand. You're not holding a compass in your hand. You're, you're wearing it on your arm. So you wouldn't, for example, you know, you're buying a T-shirt that says something on it. You wouldn't have." look specifically for a t-shirt that has the print upside down so that when you look down, you read it. You know, you know what it says, you know what it is. And, and there's a reason why things face a particular way or sit a particular way on somebody's body. Same thing with the cross. And I think we went over this, yeah. talked about this before. Yeah, that could have, you know, I want the cross facing me. Well, now you have an upside down cross on your wrist, you know, and there's, there are delicate ways to handle this in conversation with the clients. And you're right, sometimes, you know, you can, you can only tell somebody so many times, you know, there's that old school, I told you twice, rule. You know, I'll tell you twice, this isn't a good idea. And after that, it's on you. Right. You know, um, but, you know, I think there's, there's definitely a certain amount of um, decorum that can be, you know, these situations can be handled with, you know, with, where you're kind of, uh, you know, gently letting them know the best you can that, something might not be as good an idea as what they originally thought. Um, but placement in particular, yeah, it's like I, I've seen a, a few pieces recently that I mean, like really well done traditional, you know, uh, like Indian head, like women's heads, Native yeah, American but, head. But they're uh, backwards. Oh, and like on the right, like he was going to get it on his right arm. The guy decided to get it on his left arm. And instead of flipping, taking the time to flip the design around, they just did it on the left arm facing out. Like, like there's, you had all the space and time in the world to just have it face the correct way. Well, that's the way he wanted it is what I would hear. And it's like, yeah, but <laughs> I doubt he was like, yeah, have it like at that point, he's still getting the face, have it face the correct way. Everything, everything faces in towards the center, you know? Right. It's, it always should or face forward if it's on the leg. That's all. It's just a little pet peeve, and I, I think it's a it's something. It's a, a simple, fundamental thing that I don't know if young tattooers are just not caring about it or they're not being taught. Um, but things like the placement and position are, are are so 
so important. I mean, we spend a lot of time, people have been tattooing longer, doing larger pieces where we're developing this composition that flows with the body and moves with the body because the body's always in motion. And these young, younger tattooers see this stuff and they jump right into that. Medusa, care to chime in? Do something a little bit smaller. I can tell you're holding back comments, Medusa. Um, not so much holding back comments, but I'm really trying to go through my head mentally if any of my tattoos are backwards because <laughs> I yeah, right? I'm really self-conscious now because I am a tatter tot. I've only been doing this for a couple of years. Like, but you're I'm also one of the like, most educated tatter tots. Yeah. And you put yourself out there to, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're putting in the type of effort that needs to be put in, you know, and always open to, you know, try and learn more and push yourself. So I have made, it's okay if they are, I mean, I've done before though. Oh my God. Didn't notice it until I was about to take a picture of it. And I was like, Oh fuck, fuck everything. Can't take that off. Experience though. Right. It's a learning experience. If it's done well, it's done well. But it's just something to pay attention to. You know, I've done things where I haven't noticed it until after where I'm laying a design next to another one and I go, oh, shit, you know, those those lines intersect. And now it looks like one line goes into the other line of the other tattoo. And I don't realize it until after I've laid it in there. It's, you know, the client's happy with it. and That's fine. But it's just something a little off. Those things happen. So I will say this, I will say this and kind of put this out there. There are certain times when I do believe that if you need to put something in a certain spot as like gap filler, like say you've got a serious collector coming around, right? They want you to tattoo them and they've got a very small spot and the design that they want to get done, you know, that you guys have talked about and all this other stuff is only really going to work if it's done backwards to fit that specific area. I can kind of see an exception there. I would, I would go with that. Oh, sorry, Medusa. Oh no. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Well, especially because uh, gap fillers are so small that the perspective of them is not doesn't rely on the shape of the body part or the direction of the body. It's more um, conformed by the immediate surroundings. The amount of available space, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm still going through my Instagram trying to find any backwards tattoos to uh, delete. <laughs> I'm going to archive <laughs> this one and this one and this one. Like, that didn't happen. <laughs> Maybe I can crop this either. one down so no one can tell it's backwards. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, wait, did you see it on my Instagram? No, you didn't. I deleted it. It's gone. Nope, you can't prove it. Screenshots. Oh my gosh. To be fair, I wasn't, I was not talking about anybody's tattoos on here today. This is just something that I've noticed over the past few weeks. Other people that I know and other tattooers that I know who are good people and they're great artists. They do really good work and solid work. I just, you know, it, it just, and these people have been tattooing for 10 years, you know, so they should know better, you know, or more, whatever. Like, so I just, it's just one of those things to pay attention to, but to, Jason brings up a really good point. You know, if you have somebody who's collecting something, just like you had said when you said the, the, the body part doesn't really matter as much if you're just, if it's a gap filler, or if you're filling in a small area, or if it's in a kind of a weird spot on the arm or the leg or something that 
you know, I totally get that where sometimes it could, you know, could it go one way or the other way. It doesn't really matter. Um, but it's just a, it's just a thought. All right. I scrolled through the past year. All my tattoos are perfect. So I have nothing yeah. to worry about. <laughs> oh, there you go. Love it. That's perfect. Yeah, I mean, it is a very good point to bring up, though. It's a very good point to bring up, Seth. Thank you for that. So you guys use, uh, you ever use um, those hollow liners versus like a regular, like a power liner or anything like that? Um, I know one person that's pretty, uh, pretty well known and very well respected in the industry that personally swears by them. Yeah, I don't think I've ever used a hollow. Um, I use power liners. I don't know that they're the same thing necessarily, but I have seen like some lines that people pull with the hollow liners. And they just they look so square and so perfect. So there's a um, there's a theory behind that about why hollow liners for big bold lines are yeah, actually yeah. a little bit better. Um, and it's not that they're actually hollow like per se. They're not. Um, but what it is, is those center pins are typically pulled back a little bit further. So they're not really going to hit the skin. Um, but logistically speaking, for stability purposes, they kind of have to be there. Um, oh, I see. So they, they might still be there, depending on the brand. But maybe they're just pulled back a bit more. The reason behind that, and it's something that people that really want to dive into the technicalities of applying a tattoo learn very quickly, is that they always say that if you're going to pull a big, big line, like a 14-round line or an 11 or something, an 18 or whatever, you've got so many pins that are going over the exact same area in any given puncture that you either A, have to slow your hand way down, slow your machine down, slow your hand down. Otherwise, you're going to literally just tear people apart because you're creating so much trauma to the skin. And that's why using something like a hollow liner came about. People wanted to have uh, some type of a liner available that they could use that would cover the same amount, the, the same rough amount of area, but not cause as much trauma, right? Uh, so that's why you get it. Because if you, if you look at the configuration of a 14-round liner, right, you've got a lot of pins that are going in direct line with other pins in the configuration. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. if you're not really running that super, super slow, you're going right. to literally be puncturing the same spot multiple times as you're moving through that line that's going to cause excess it. trauma and that's going to cause really terrible healing if you no use doubt. a hollow liners those center pins are pulled back a bit more so they're not going to be hitting quite as deep or quite as much of that same kind of an area right and that's going to allow yes. for less trauma as the tattoo is being done that makes sense, man. I totally get that. You know, I, I picked up on uh, it was something from Guy's original. I think it was in his original uh, reinventing the tattoo. But um, I started doing this over the last year 
um, when I'm doing a uh, like a large Japanese piece and I need to calligraphy the lines, I'm not even bothering really going in with a three line or like a lot of times, you know, when I'm doing a piece, I like to vary line weights. Right, right. Um, and what I'll do is I'll outline with like a, a tight three and then I can go back and right up next to that tight three pull like, you know, a seven or a nine, whatever it is that I need. And that three, I feel like helps give it like a real clean edge, right? Like a clean border. And then it allows me to, to kind of um, assess priority throughout the tattoo with the line weights um, as I see fit. You know, that's why I might use gray lines with certain things, let them fall back in the background and stuff like that. But with the larger Japanese pieces, like these dragons and stuff I'm doing, down this guy's leg it was like a food dog dragon hanya mask i just went straight in with a seven mag and outlined it with that yeah and um yeah, yeah and oh my god it's like it's fun to do and it's so fast sometimes you got to go back at the end you know and clean up kind of edge it out a little bit so that it's not fuzzy right. on the outside edge um but the the ability to really calligraphy those lines and and almost like brush strokes you know like you're doing a sumi painting um it's so fun it's I, I really like I've, I've had a blast doing it like that. I feel like it just expedites the process. There's a lot less skin trauma in the end. Um, and it, it's it's just super fun and allows like we've talked about this before. It allows for a little bit of the process to be organic. Right. Not right. every single line weight is determined. Oh, this is this thick. And then it tapers here. You're doing it as you you're kind of flowing with it. And it's it's happening more naturally like it would with a brush. You know, you might. You press down, you lift up as you're doing the Sumi um, paintings you know, for outlines, but you're um, you're also allowing a little bit of kind of like the universe to, you know, have take part in it. And if a line gets a little thicker in a certain spot, then a line's a little thicker in a certain spot, you know. And I feel like the when you're finding that with the body, how when you're laying things in as it wraps around a leg or something like that, you're like, oh, you know what? This does look better if it's thinner here. Or this one does need these sip back wow that needs to be a lot more bold and you can just make it bold immediately without having to go back and over it a hundred times with a liner to make it thicker make it thicker you know so i'm i'm actually going to share a profile with everyone real quick on instagram um very good friend of mine out in scotland this guy single-handedly um i was picking his brain about it he at the puerto rico show a few years back he actually took home first place best line work. Okay. Just to give you an idea. And he was going up against guys like Fibs, Victor Chill, um, James Tex, and, you know, uh, Devin Cooley. He was literally competing against all of these guys and took home best line work trophy. And there was a big debate over everything because the guy didn't use a single liner in the entire tattoo. Um, in fact, I was talking to him about it before and I don't know his secret or what he does or anything like that that's super specific. But he was telling me that he actually outlined most of the piece with a 23 mag. A 23 mag for outlines. And it blew my mind. I was like, what, how is that possible? How does that happen? Right. Um, I'm trying to find the exact piece that I was talking to him about. 
by the way, uh, where is it's coming up? Hold, please. A little bit more. Almost there. There it is. Ah. You know, I hate all those like uh, filters that people put on things that make it look like they're glowing. Ah. Still looking. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm trying to find a better picture. There it is. There's the photo. So let me go through and share this. Um, doo -doo -doo. Bye, Medusa. Uh, where is Medusa? I had to go and get ready for work. So this is a friend of mine named Big Mike. And he said the outlines on this tattoo specifically were most of them were done with a 23 mag. A 23 mag. Ridiculous, right? But they're clean, they're crisp, and they're solid, which to me is what matters. You know, there's a lot that can be said for people that can go through. And it's a trick that I've used from time to time as well. Now, I don't know that guy's individual specific trick, but I can tell you that he has mastered the art of outlining with a mag. And it, it's clean. It's solid. It's everything is perfect. Right. Um I still got to get over and spend some time with him over in Scotland, but I mean, he's just, he's got it down pat and it's something that can save you a ton of time rather than going through and like doing, okay, well, now I'm going to go through and I'm going to start out with a tiny little line and then I'm going to build that up or I'm going to do two lines and then I'm going to fill in the middle. Just it's something I try to explain to people is that a line is nothing but a shape right? It is an area of black that surrounds other areas. That's it. That's all it is. Um, because of that, if you start looking at lines as shapes, as opposed to lines, and you say, oh, that's a really cool shape, right? Then it kind of alters your perspective on how you can execute a line. You know, it's something that I've been trying to get better at. And it's something that when you start to look at it as a shape, you can start to say, okay, well, if it's a shape, I can fade it out and I can make that line disappear, right? But it all comes down to the way that you think about it. Um, you know, make those lines disappear sometimes. Doesn't have to be all the time, but if you do it sometimes in strategic places, it can completely and totally change the way that a tattoo looks. You know, I've also found that sometimes if you if you take it a little bit slower and you take it a little bit softer, you can actually create a much more blurred, vague line, uh, kind of like using a flat brush when you're painting. Um, it can create a much more blurred kind of vague out of focus line, which can be sometimes just what you need in a certain spot. 
it's a, a way to create like a little bit of a special effect, if you will. Um, and we've got Ricardo who joined us. What's up, Ricardo? You're working on something dope. I know you're muted because you're at the studio, but you're one of those people that like, I keep thinking about the way that you execute different tattoos and the tricks that you use. And it's, it's always impressive to me, man. It really is. So thank you for that. Uh, Seth, I think you're there, but you are muted. Um, I don't know. Maybe you got, you actually got pulled over this time. No, I did not get pulled over. Sorry. I had to step out for a second. Oh, no worries. No worries. Um, I was just so, curious. Uh, I was going to say, if you did get pulled over, you better be getting tased. No, <laughs> I think I actually, I got, uh, I'm just going to shut the video off here for a second as I back up. Um, I, uh, I got part of uh, what you were saying there about that guy using uh, using the 23 mag for the outline and the importance of having different line weights and having some lines just kind of drop out a little bit. And then I kind of lost you there for a minute. Yeah. Um, well, I was bringing up Ricardo and how he's a major influence to me. And I love the way that Ricardo always makes lines disappear. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. You know, and then going right up to it and fading straight off of that line can make a world of difference. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, because Ricardo's in the room right now, even though he's muted, but you are the man, Ricardo. Thank you very much for all that you have uh, done for me personally. Um, not just that, but I also think you are a sexy, sexy beast. Studebaugh. He's probably smiling and laughing right now, even though we can't hear him. Yeah, that's it, Ricardo. Pick up a bigger mag. Bigger mag. Where's your 45 mag? Where's your 45? <laughs> Ricardo and I have been friends for a very long time. Well, not super long, but long enough for me to call him one of my best friends. Um, you know, and just a diehard ride or die guy, kind of guy who's always there to help anyone. Um, definitely a huge artistic influence on my life. Thank you for that. Um, but yeah, so I was, well, just, I, you uh, were mentioning hollow liners. What? Oh, sorry about that. It's breaking up there. Uh, I was going to say, you mentioned hollow liners before and rumor has it. Uh, the one artist that I was referencing before that is really a huge fan of hollows is um, the man, the myth, and the legend, uh, Mr. Lou himself. Mr. Uh, Philip Lou. Um, and that, granted, I didn't ask him that personally. Um, and I have yet to figure out a time when I can get over to Switzerland to go and visit and watch him work. Um, I'm still trying to figure out in my schedule when I can make that happen, but I would love to make that happen uh, sooner rather than later. You know, who knows? Maybe with as fast as he works, maybe I can actually get like a little, I don't know if he really does small tattoos, but who knows? Maybe I'll get like a little banger from him one day. That would be sweet. Then again, I do have my so whole back So recently I saw a... Or I don't have my back done. Oh, do you really? No, not yet. 
So he may be like, yeah, we can knock that out in one day. <laughs> Knowing him, he probably could. So uh, I recently about is related to people that have been tattooing a long time is uh, I'm curious what, from different perspectives, I mean, we, both, we all have, you know, different amounts of years on our belts and Medusa's a little more new into the business. So I'm curious to hear her perspective as well. Um, but the idea that thinking in terms of like, well, we can't tattoo forever and, you know, eventually we're going to need to find another way to, to be, if we want to still be involved in the business to contribute or to, you know, to be able to make a living or, or are we just putting money away and squirreling, you know, away a retirement program or something like that. And it just, I, I saw a couple of uh, posts about something like this recently, and it just made me think like, you know, I'm 43. I can't imagine not tattooing. Like even like, yeah, I know one day, you know, the hands don't work anymore. Okay, that's fine. But I can't imagine thinking about like getting out of it in the next 20 years. Like maybe beyond that, you know, probably it'd have to stop. But I just can't imagine doing that. I, I enjoy it so much. I enjoy the, the culture. I enjoy the, the process, the, everything about it. And I know physically sometimes your bodies, you know, our bodies won't allow it for a certain amount of time. But I can't imagine being like, you know, 30 years into tattooing or 25 years into tattooing and thinking like, yeah, this is good enough for me. I'm ready to move on. So uh, let me, let me chime in on that. And you know what um, I'm, I'm talking I've, about. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I've got, I've got a couple of things I'd like to say on that. Um, first things first, I, I was having a discussion when I was up at the deadly show with a couple of very prominent artists up there um, at the Deadly Tattoo Convention and everyone that works at that show is like on a whole new level. Um, but sure. I remember talking with a couple of very prominent artists up there who I'm not going to mention about retirement and what they're planning for retirement and how, you know, are they doing anything for retirement? Are they planning in advance for that and whatever? And I remember getting a comment back from one artist saying, what are you talking about? I'm already retired, you know, and they explained their definition of retirement to me. And they said, you know, listen, retirement is where you stop working to pay your bills and you start living your life and doing what you want to do. Tattooing for me is what I want to do. This is my retirement and I'm still as successful at it as I ever was. You know, there's no, to me, this is all that I intend on doing. Like, this is my retirement. And it, it struck me as like, wow. Like, it, it was a different way. I had never thought about it before that kind of made sense, you know? Um, and that's kind of the, the outlook that I've adopted to it as well, is that like, you know, yeah, obviously I plan on tattooing as long as I possibly can, but you're right. There is a point in time when maybe your body doesn't work the way that it used to. Maybe um, hands stop working or, you know, you, you end up getting some kind of, you know, heaven forbid, knock on wood, you know, something happens. You no longer have use of your vision the way that you used to, or maybe your back gets so bad that you literally can't sit in a chair for too long unless it's like one of those super special 
like chiropractic, like ergonomic chairs, right? Um, you know, our bodies do weird things to us over time. So there's a reason why that, you know, I try to safeguard that as much as possible. I tattoo in an ergonomic chair. I sit in an ergonomic chair whenever I'm painting, like I am right now. Um, do I do something. everything I can about, to help eliminate. Only been in it a few years. What? Is Medusa still on with us? Uh, no, Medusa is not. She had to leave okay. to go to work. Oh, speaking of which, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like we are. That's a, the other thing, too, is it, I kind of enjoy about this business is that I feel like we're always on the clock. I don't mind it. A lot of people like, you know, I have clients, certain people that I talk to, and they're like, well, I don't want to talk to you about work right now. No, talk to you. Dude, talk to me about it. I'm always down to talk tattoos. Like, if, if you want to set up an appointment, yeah, we can pick that up at the shop. If you want, like, an actual sit-down consultation, we can do that at the shop. But if you just, you're just, you know, want to run an idea by me or ask me something about, you know, how I feel about a particular type of work or who you recommend I see, who I recommend that you would see, I mean, uh, I'm all for that. I, I like talking tattoos. I'm a squeaky wheel everywhere I go. I make sure I, you know, if I have an opportunity to talk to somebody about it or bring it up, I do. I, because I just, I love having that conversation with people. Okay, so it it's just not just get old. No, it just does. It doesn't get old. And it sounds like I don't want to come off like, a, you know, to these to, to other people, like it's like it's a, a position of arrogance or anything like that. I just I genuinely enjoy it. I like when people get excited to talk to me about tattoos. I like that I, I, because I'm excited to talk about it, you know, so I'm not I'm not bothered or put out or anything like that. The only time that's really like sacred for me is when I'm with my Right. Anybody understands that, you know, anybody, but, you know, a lot of situations I'm out to dinner or, you know, out with a bunch of friends or with family or whatever, you know, like extended family or something like that. Anybody's got questions. I'm always down to talk about it, you know, or, or to have that conversation or let somebody know I'm a tattooer and, and see where, where the conversation goes from there. You know, I mean, I don't walk around going, yeah, look what I do. Look what I do. But, hey, you know, if the opportunity presents itself or if somebody asks a question, I, I rarely ever will shut them down. Um, well, I think part so of that's because part of that, in my opinion, is because you you're very much like myself, where this is our passion. You know, this isn't just a job for us. This isn't just like what we do to pay our bills. I mean, yeah, we do right. do it to pay our bills. But, you know, to us, this is more than just a job. It's more than just a career or something we do to earn money. You know, this is, yeah. this is what we truly have learned to embrace in life and it's everything to us. So yeah, absolutely. I'll talk tattoos all day long with just about anyone, you know, um, yeah. you know, as long as once, as you brought up, you know, it's like, cool, you want to set up an appointment? Mm, all right, let's get you in at the studio and we'll go through like the channels and all that stuff. Or, hey, here's my card. Shoot me an email. We'll get you set up. Absolutely. Shoot me an email. This way I've got a record of what we talk about and all that stuff. And we can get you in a lot faster, you know. But yeah, it's like, why don't we sit down and discuss the origins of what it is you're trying to get done? You know, let's discuss what this tattoo 
or, or, you know, maybe you've got an idea of something you want to get done or something you want to represent. Cool. Let's spitball ideas and talk about where these ideas came from. You know, yeah. let's talk about the origins of like, oh, you want to get a sailor tattoo because you're, you know, significant other, your grandfather or whoever was in the Navy. Awesome. Right. Tell me more about that. Let's explore the history of old naval tattoos and come up with something that's got a deeper meaning to you than that. Yeah, because then they leave that conversation with a whole new, like, like doors that were open to them visually that maybe weren't open before because they just never had that conversation. You know, they would, right. uh, and they would otherwise walk into a shop and say, I want, you know, this particular tattoo. And that's what I have my mind set on. But if you're able to have that conversation with them, say a month prior to them even making an appointment, now their wheels are turned. And they're like, you know, I always kind of wanted this uh, clipper ship, but I was, I was thinking, you know, maybe there's another way to go about this. Or I, I you know, I had this conversation. Now I'm thinking of a couple of different ideas. And that's whether or not they come in to see us or not. That goes back to, you know, we're all, we're all doing this together. You know what I mean? So it helps if, if they come to see you and I had the conversation with them or, they come from somewhere else to see me. If, if somebody, if you're having that conversation with these people and, and putting the ideas out there and just getting their wheels turning, because a lot of times they'll come in and say things like, well, you're the artist. Well, that's all well and good. And, and we are, but I think it, it behooves them to really, you know, put some effort into thinking outside of the box, you know, and right. if, they're, if they're not directed, to do so, they, they might not know that that's a possibility. A lot of people come in and they're like, I didn't even know you could do that as a tattoo. Of course we can. You yeah, know, exactly. You don't know if you don't have that, that conversation. It's so important. You know, but I think, I think there's lots of things that, you know, a lot of people don't realize. I was just out doing a career day for a high school, you know, and talking about tattoos there and about how you know, I am a practitioner of something that has been going on for so long that no one actually knows when it got started. You know, there's no definitive record as to when the first tattoo was done. There well, might be Medusa's speculation. Working on that, right? <laughs> well, Medusa is supposedly working on that. Um, I think she's got a little bit more to go, though. Um, yeah. We do know that it's a minimum of you know, seven to 10,000 years old minimum, yep. but there may, we may find evidence that it's been going on a lot longer than that in certain cultures. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm a practitioner of that. That is what I do. That is what my life consists of. And it's a great honor to me. So I have no problems with that at all. Yeah. Let's sit down. Let's talk about the history of it. Let's talk yeah. about, you know, the future of it. Let's talk about, you know, what the industry perspective is for the next 20 years in the game. You know, I mean, and I'm actually talking to a couple of people right now. Um, there's a few guys that are out there. I know Ben Shaw is one of them. Uh, you know, speaking of the future of tattooing, I'd like to get a couple of guys on to this show, uh, possibly next Sunday. So, you know, let's uh, let's sit down and I might have them on here to start talking about new regulations coming out and how it's oh, yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But, you know, 
there's regulations that are coming about. We might as well be prepared for it. Uh, are these federal regulations? Yes. Interesting. Yeah, uh, but yeah, stay I'll tuned. Next whatever, whatever gets us all on the same page with with health, you know, health and safety of the clients and the artists and, and people in the shop. I have no issue with that. You know what I mean? It's the the, the issues that I have with it come from when people that know nothing about tattooing start trying to make regulations, you know, for what they think tattooing is or what they assume it is. And they're like, you know, making regulations that don't even make sense. You know, there has to be a doctor on site in the studio all the time. It's insane. Right. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason why I want to get them on kind of dispel any kind of myths that might be out there. It's um, a great idea. You know, so I, I'm currently looking into inviting them on to potentially next Sunday's episode. Um, nice. So we've got uh, Don, Dia, Don De Los Muertos 2 made a comment in the uh, YouTube. Uh, they said, um, I love that we can talk a lot more about it these days. It's not just a job, it's our existence. And it is, you know, this is for a lot of people, not just myself, not just Seth, but for a lot of people out there, this is everything we have worked our entire lives for. You know, this is not a small part of life for us. A lot of people that might be out there might go through and say, oh, my job is just a small part. You know, my job is just a means to an end. To us, this is, this is what we have been gearing towards. I know personally, I spent well over 20 years of my life working towards getting to the point I'm at now. And I'm really excited to see where I go in the next 20 years, you know, because for me, this, is, this isn't just a career. It's not just, you know, something that I do to make money. This is something I've literally worked my entire life for, you know, and I fully intend on doing every single thing I can to make sure I can do it as long as I possibly can, you know? Yeah, that's the right exercise. Yeah. For all those young tatter tots out there, plan for the future as far as everything goes ergonomics are a big thing there's a reason why i switched to rotaries and it wasn't for the fact that you know i didn't like tattooing with coils i love my coil machines i do but if i want to do this for the long haul i needed to start thinking about that you know i needed to start thinking about carpal tunnel i needed to start thinking about vibrations in my hands because I literally want to do this for the next 60 years. And you want to be able to have the right, you already just touched on that, on having the right mindset, you know, not, don't, don't plan to get burned out. I'll be like, oh, well, one day, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'll just burn out and, or I'll be burned out from tattooing or the business or whatever. Like I, that's just something that doesn't even, it doesn't even make sense to me. You know, like I, I, I can appreciate somebody who's been doing it for a long time, feeling burned out or being that way. And, and that's perfect for that. If that's the way that they feel about it, I respect that wholly. But for me personally, I don't, um, 
it's difficult for me to wrap my head around being burned out. Do I have busy weeks that are more busier than others? Sure. Sometimes you feel like you need a day off. Absolutely. But I don't think in 23 years of tattooing, I don't think I've ever once said, I'm just burned out from tattooing. I, I yeah. just, those, those words have never left my mouth like that. You know, and I, I don't, I, I hear some people who are younger than me in the business saying that and people that I know dearly that are like, you know, I'm just burned out. I'm burned out. They go on vacation, they come back and the first, first week back from vacation, oh, I'm just burned out. I need a break. The hell are you burned out? You know, I do do 12 hours sitting sometimes like how are you burned out you know like and i realize it's just it's the passion it's yeah. you know some people have are filled with more passion than others and um if you have that passion now and you're just getting started feed it don't don't plan for it to wither away one day make sure that like you do what you're saying you feed it and you cultivate it and, and let it grow and let it get stronger you know because it's people like that that are going to you know, keep this business rolling and make it better as time goes on. You know, don't plan to just get out of it after 25 years. If you're Absolutely. in it, be in it. You know, and that actually brings up another point that I wanted to mention earlier. Once again, having a conversation with another very prominent figure in the industry, uh, actually last weekend, Chris. Um, and I was talking to him about that same thing where it's like, you know, I've been doing this a bit over a decade um, not quite 15 years. I'm getting there, but not quite at that point yet. But it's like, I have just as much, if not more drive right now than I did back then, you know, and I hear every now and then from different people, you know, some people that are out there that have been doing it for 10 years, uh, 12 years, 15 years, you know, sometimes more. And they're like, I I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, like you mentioned, I'm just burnt out from it. And it's like, well, okay, take a step back then. Take a step back. If you own a studio and you're burnt out from tattooing, take a step back. Let other people that have that drive, let other people that have that passion and that reserve, let them take over for a little while and be, you know, the star of the show. Go to management, go to, go open your own studio, go do it, go focus on painting and drawing for a while, you know? Manage the yeah. studio, run the studio, but do nothing but paint and draw, right? Because if you get to that point where you're tired of it, you need to rekindle that passion. Right. You know? And there's people out there that if you're not constantly striving to do better and be better than you were yesterday, you're going to get passed by. You know, I was listening to uh, another podcast this morning and they made a very valid point. They said, you're either gaining ground or you're losing ground, but you're never staying the same, you know? So yeah. ask yourself, what point are you at? Are you gaining ground? Are you still striving to be better? Are you still striving to do more, learn more? Are you striving to be better than you were yesterday? And if you're not, step back. Let other people that have that fire in them take over because it's only going to do you a service. You know, I've been talking to guys that have been doing this for 20 and 30 years. They're always trying to learn something new. And they're, these guys are absolutely phenomenal. You know, That's what look, I at, That's, yeah. look at Steve Butcher, look at um, Nico Hurtado. You know, Nico was at one point in time taking oil painting classes while he was tattooing, 
just so that he could stay up on everything just so that he could yeah. be better. You know what I mean? hundred percent. That's, that's why I take those classes with David Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Same. I, I don't, I don't foresee myself selling paintings in museums, but I know that that learning that process will inform my tattooing process. Absolutely. Honestly, though, I, I've got to credit Ricardo with my, uh, my obsession with oil paintings. I, I worked a convention with Ricardo, what, two years ago? And um, he showed up and he had this gorgeous Kitsune uh, convention banner painted. And it was all done with oils. And he hung it up and I was like, man, my banner looks like crap next to this. This is ridiculous. And like, it, it, it made me step back and be like, all right, I, I haven't oil painted in like 15 years. It's time to get back on it. It's time to get motivated into it again. Because, you know, it's like next to that, I got nothing. Um, not that I have nothing, but, you know, it's, it was kind of like a little bit of a wake up call. Um, and, you know, it's like I just varnished uh, two oil paintings that I started about a year and a half ago. Um, and those are done. I'm working on this one now, which I started a year ago. Uh, you know, this one, if all goes well, will probably be wrapped up in the next couple of months. Um, you know, it's like, it, it's time to get moving on it. It's time to like really kick the, kick it up into another gear. You know, I'm trying to get other artists on this show to go through and pick their brains about certain things, you know, and about how, uh, how to stay focused and how to stay motivated in this industry. You know, because I don't want to lose that. To me, that would be the biggest detriment of my life. And I will do anything I can to keep up on exactly what it is I'm doing today. I'm all about showing Ricardo some extra love, you know. So let's get back to that flashy smile. He's got that biceps. Look at that hat. Look at that hat. What's up with that hat? R- looks like Ricardo is using the uh, the Cheyenne. Is that the Cheyenne? What's up, guys? Can you hear me? Oh, we can indeed, oh, my friend. Up? Oh yeah, man. Yeah, I'm rocking the Cheyenne, dude. How do you I like it, man? I love it. It's like one of the best things I've, I've ever touched my hands. And there's been a lot of shit to touch my hands. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't need to go into that. Yes, yes. The tight jeans. Bring it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, man. I love this machine, dude. It's so versatile. It's fucking incredible, dude. It's like the best they machine are, I've ever had. Yeah, they make I a quality it. product. And yeah, have dude, you noticed they, that the skin calms down a little bit faster than when you were using faster, a lot faster. Like I Dude, I can see my gray values in, like within fucking 10, 15 minutes even. You know what I mean? It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah, my clients all heal up super fast. And right. like, what's different? Yeah. I'm like, I'm telling you, man, it's the machine. I, like I it is, I would say it's like 90% the machine. It is. You know, like I've always found that with tattooing, like I know a lot of us pay attention to voltage and meters and stuff like that and everything, and that's cool and felt fine and dandy, but I've never really gone that far into depth with it. You know what I mean? So I've always found that like whenever I work with machines, I do my best to manage it in the way that I, that I like to draw or paint or something like that. And like, I would say hands down that this machine is the one that I've never had to kind of like 
change anything up that I'm doing. Like I can draw with it basically. You know what I mean? So speaking of which anyone out there that might be listening, none of us here, none of us on this podcast are sponsored by Cheyenne. Yeah, no, none of us get kickbacks or anything like that. I don't even think I'm on Cheyenne's radar, let alone like, you know, a sponsored artist by them, but their machines are absolutely amazing. Amazing. So I've, I've described them to people like the clients before they'll, they'll always ask, you know, what's the difference between yours and theirs? Cause I have a, I have two of their pens that I use. And prior to that, I was using the Thunder. Um, and I, um, I, I tell them, I say, you know what, man, like the coil machines, you can, you can do great things with those too. You should be able to tattoo all of the things that I tattoo with the, with the rotary, I should be able to do with the coil. And I feel confident yeah. that I can. But the difference is like, I equate those coil machines to like a really nice dialed in tuned up muscle car, right? Right. Got all the, all the bells and whistles. It works. It's a workhorse, but it takes some tinkering every now and again. I said, these, these, uh, Cheyennes, it's like a Ferrari. It's like a stock Ferrari. You buy it and it is ready to go right out of the gate. It's smooth. It doesn't miss. I mean, I, and I've used other ones. I've used other rotaries and other, you know, types of i mean other types of uh pens and stuff and i just i keep coming back to the, the cheyenne and I, I try not to be like that guy who's telling all my coworkers, i'm like you gotta get one of these you gotta get one and they've gotten other ones but then they use mine and they're like they see the difference you know yeah totally man which which ones are you rocking now seth uh i use the uh soul and the soul the, nova and uh not the Soul Nova. I guess it is just the Soul. The Soul Nova is the one with the battery built into it. No, no, that's the Soul Nova Unlimited. Okay, then I use the Soul Nova. Yep, the Soul Nova and the uh, and the the Hawk uh, pen. Like just okay, the, 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 the first edition. The first edition, the slender one. Yeah, but both of them, I use uh, critical battery packs for them, um, and uh, they just they slay. I get ten hours per battery. The machines are lightweight. And um, it, it was a it was a career altering move when I started using the Cheyennes, and even more so when I went cordless. Yeah, I've, I couldn't be happier with uh, any of the results that I've gotten from the Cheyennes. Can you imagine? Can you imagine doing some of the work that we do now, having to set up seven machines? Nope. You know, when, when I have all those different pens, I, I just I like the versatility. I like having four liners and three different types of shaders out, you know, cause I, I never know what I'm going to, I don't just, if I sit down to do a painting, I'll be a watercolor or, or something else. I, I like to have an arsenal of brushes to be able to choose from. And um, I, it's I, just, let me see if I can um, connect my phone real quick to the, uh, to the zoom. I'll, I'll give you an idea of like arsenal of brushes. Like it, just to show you guys like what I use on a daily basis whenever I'm painting. Just to give you an idea of like the types of arsenals and options I like to have available. Yeah, that looks about right. Yeah, you can never have too many different options, you know? Sometimes I might want a super synthetic smooth bristle. Other times I might want something else. You know, but it's always nice to have that option available, just like yeah. when you're tattooing. A hundred percent. I will, you know, my coworkers sometimes will laugh because I'll have 
so many different needles set out. But even if I'm using that one needle for one particular part of the tattoo, if it makes the tattoo that much better or dialed in, or if it makes my job easier in attaining that, then I'm, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm 100%. I'll use a, sometimes I'm, I'm doing a portrait if I'm, you know, fanning out the background just to add a little bit of value to it. I'm absolutely using a 23 mag or a 27 mag. You know, even if I'm only using it for that one outside edge part, it just, I just, I just shaved off, you know, 15 minutes of the tattoo of me trying to get that smooth gradation with a seven or, or a, an 11 or something like that, you know? Absolutely. You know, it's, I don't know. To and me, it was a game skin changer. Drop, less skin drop. Yeah, Ab- sure. Well, and that's something I'm big on. You know, I bought the, um, the XO, the four millimeter XO. I bought that. I used that for a while. I liked the power, but I noticed that especially if I was trying to go through and I really knocked a tattoo out of the park, I noticed that I never could get a really, really good non-irritated photo of it. Yeah. And it was like, what am I not doing? You know, right. When it comes down to trying to get a good photo of this tattoo that I just crushed. And a lot of times it was because the skin was irritated based on trauma. And yeah. when I switched to the Cheyenne, it's like, oh, cool. Tattoo's done. Let's go grab a really good photo of it with like no irritation. And it completely yeah. changed the game when it came down to that alone. That alone to me was such a major selling point. It was ridiculous. Uh-huh. Also, shout out to Richie Bulldog because hustle butter definitely calms the skin down. Hustle Butter Deluxe. Yo, that stuff is like magic. It is. On a tattoo and you just got to be careful with it, though. Yeah. Be careful with it. If, it. if anyone that you tattoo has any allergies to mango or like coconuts or anything like that, be forewarned. Because that. Like it had all that stuff in it, but it's all yeah, natural, it's, though, right? It's, it is all natural, but it's got mango extract, it's got coconut extract. It's got um, like all, all, it is 100% all natural, but if you tattoo anyone that's got any allergies to that kind of stuff, do yeah. not use it because they will break out. They will go like their skin will be super inflamed. Like it's just, point. it's going to cause them a whole bunch of headache. So just that's be really forewarned. Um, but I love both. it, dude. I absolutely love hustle butter. For sure. Yeah, the end of a tattoo, like if you, the client's got an extra 15, 20 minutes, I'll put that stuff on there and just let it sit. Just let it sit and, and let it kind of relax a little bit. Wipe it down, clean it up with some witch hazel and get a great photo with it. I have to keep that in mind. Um, hey, I got a question for you guys. And this, I, I feel like I should know this, the answer to this. Uh, completely, but I've, I've heard different versions of the answer. 27. Had a client. Yes, 22. thank you. Perfect. You guys are just on point. All right, moving on. Next subject. 19? <laughs> Eight. What's the uh, it's a little too low. 63. So the question is this, and I, I had a client recently ask me about this, and I gave him the standard answer that I was to understand from years ago. And I don't know that it's entirely true. Um, and that is when they have a tattoo that's, let's say it's, it's a fresh tattoo, like a, only a month healed, or even some of them that are five years healed. 
and they, you know, they get hot, they get sweaty, the tattoo, the parts of the outline raise up a little bit, it gets a little bumpy or something, you know, like they, they're like, oh, it's usually smooth, but you know, it, I don't know if, if, if something's going on with it, but it just feels a little raised. So that um, happens to some of mine sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if it's the area that and the standard answer that I gave him was that, and, I, and this could be complete BS, so forgive me if it is, but I was to understand years ago that if if it's in a particular part of the body, like the, it could be scar tissue, it could be from it just being too heavy handed with an outline, but if it's not raised all of the time, if it only like happens once in a while, it's the body somehow, like usually if, if somebody heats up or gets warm, your pores open up, you start sweating, body's trying to sweat it's trying to push things out it recognizes that there's another that there's a foreign substance in it and it's trying to push that out that's where the swelling comes from or the raised texture type of a thing so i don't know if that's even true or not but sometimes it tends to happen more around joints elbows and you know in the ditch of the arm stuff like that what are your thoughts on that so in my thoughts and from what i've heard and once again this may be inaccurate I am not a dermatologist. I am not a medical professional. Please do not quote me um, or think that what I'm saying is 100% fact. Um, but this was just kind of what was relayed to me over the years from people that have gone to see dermatologists. General consensus that I've picked up on over the years is that a lot of that has to do with number one, sun exposure. And those certain areas of the tattoo um, heating up a bit more. Uh, and I think you are correct in your assumption that it has to do with the bodies trying to sweat, push out any kind of foreign contaminant. Um, so it may just be really, really well saturated. Okay. So I've I mean, always been that's... told it was like a, a reaction to the ink, like the sun heating up the carbon and the ink or something like that. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that before. So I, I have. Um, I've had myself and one of my clients, it's actually happened to them with color tattoos, uh, specific magentas and pinks. And um, so they went to a dermatologist and they said, what it is, is the fact that, you know, your skin can't really breathe, um, you know, and that's kind of where I got that idea from, because in magentas and pinks, there's no real carbon in it. Okay. Uh, but we did go over the same areas of that tattoo more than once to really make sure that color was in there and blend in some highlights and lowlights. And that color is in there and it is super, super solid. Um, it is packed in there and it is not going anywhere. It's not raised normally. It's not scarred up at all. Um, it's just super saturated with color. And that's what their dermatologist was telling them. Okay. So, I mean, there's different opinions and I think a lot of it can be Ooh, case by case. Sweet. So it may vary depending on the individual <laughs> and the tattoo. This. Well, that's good. I, you know, maybe it might be, uh, I'll, I'll, I don't know any dermatologists offhand, but it'd um, be interesting to have a conversation with one. 
maybe somebody who knows a little bit about tattooing or the process and, and see what they have to say. Well, let me see what I can arrange. I might be able to reach out to one or two um, and see be awesome. what they might say and maybe get one of them on and uh, maybe dispel some common urban myths that about would be a tattoos really good and tattooing. Um, I would love that. I've got a few connections in the medical field that I might be able to reach out to for that. So, yeah, boy, use them. Connect. Them. Yeah. I've, um, I've got one connection that's actually pretty high up there down at Hopkins. Um, okay. Who might be able to get me in touch with someone. So, and I figure Johns Hopkins is like an authority on med- medicine and, you know, yeah. that kind of medicinal things. Um, yeah, I so, would, I would love to have that get some knowledge bombs from that for sure. So I, and I will, feel like I, I'd I be a little more prepared, them. be a little oh, more yeah, prepared yeah. for that. This part. Yeah. I would love to make that happen and, you know, just bounce some ideas off of them and see, especially with what's going on with like pigment regulation in the United States. Now um, I think it would be nice to kind of have use that almost as like a segue um, sure. into, you know, gaining more knowledge about skin um, because that is the area of expertise that dermatologists um, deal with primarily from what I understand. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not fully versed with uh, all of the intricacies of every medical field out there, but. Um, It'd be interesting though, to get that information from a, you know, somebody who's a trained professional, but also has some knowledge. Maybe there's dermatologists out there that are tattooed themselves and understand a little bit where we're coming from. You know? Exactly. Yeah. I figure it can't hurt, right? No, no, I would love that. I think that'd be good, uh, good information too, for some younger tattooers out there that don't, you know, might be learning this information the first time around. Like I said, when I was you know, I had to find out through the grapevine, through other tattooers telling me this, that this is what causes it. I, I don't, I'm just regurgitating that. So I don't know if that's entirely true or not. It sounded good. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's I've like, yeah, that sounds clients, plausible. We'll go with that. Yeah, for sure. But it'd be, it'd be really great to be able to kind of nail down a more uh, specific direct answer to that. Something well, and now that we're, confidence. now that we're in the day and age where like, okay, that's cool. Like, you know, it sounds plausible, so we'll rock with it. But now we're in the day and age where it's like, okay, that's cool, but like, let's fact check it. Let's make yeah. sure that that is accurate because of all of the stuff going on right now. We sure. need to make sure that we've got our ducks in a row. Um, yeah. And we want to know the hows and the whys. Yeah, and you can't rely on Wikipedia or Google to give you the correct information because who the hell knows who's installing that? You know? Right. Well, Wikipedia is open source. None of that stuff counts um, unless it's a a verified um, academic scholar that's going through that you are quoting. But even still, sometimes those quotes can be taken out of context. So you have to be very careful with that. Um, Yeah, that's why a lot of schools and colleges don't allow any quotes from Wikipedia as academic resources and knowledge. Because it is open source. I can go through and uh, I can find the Seth Mushrush Wikipedia page and edit that and, you know, write a whole bunch of stuff that isn't true. I if guarantee I, you that so page choose. doesn't exist. 
I'm it might not now, but it might a little bit later today. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. Well, let me get on that and make sure that everybody's lying out of their teeth to make it as hilarious as possible. Oh, man. We get, we, oh, it, born of I'm dragon's eggs in the age of, in the age of mag- magic and wisdom, yeah. Seth Mushrush came to be when two mythical creatures shook hands. Yeah, he was born out of the butt of an ancient medieval rhinoceros. Absolutely. As the legend foretells, the dragon shall cometh forth and produce the Seth from which Mushrush is born. God, it's a mess. Yeah, all I know is that some some lady somewhere once walked into a fire and came out and you had hatched out of an egg. That's great. I love it. I'll take it. We've got a comment here from Mike Cole in the YouTube saying, I still use my Cheyenne, Thunder, and Spirit every day. Love them. Um, Thunder, the Cheyenne Thunder, in my opinion, was like the definitive and the like greatest revolution in tattooing and tattoo machines that has ever come about. Um, I agree. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that it was effortless, you know? And I mean, I even got the... Um, the Cheyenne Solterra, which is like the next evolution of the Thunder. Um, and that thing was like, it, it's a beast. It's a monster. It's literally effortless to tattoo with it. Um, the only reason why I don't still use it is because it requires a cord. Even if you get like the battery packs, it's not really designed to be used with a battery pack because of the yeah. way that it's like situated. Um, so, uh, unfortunately I can't really use it anymore. So if anyone wants to buy it, let me know. Um, hey, but, is that by chance, is that the same Mike Cole that I'm thinking of? Uh, the Mike Cole that does all the geometric stuff. Yes. I don't believe so. I could be wrong, but I don't believe so. That's hilarious. They share the same name and they're both tattooers. Right. <laughs> well, I, I guess it's kind of like being John Smith. You know, I suppose. And I'm not saying that you're not special, Mike. I'm just saying that, you know, it's not a. It's it's a pretty common name in the tattoo world, I guess. There's got to be more Mike Coles out there that do tattoos. Then again, maybe I am wrong. Maybe that is the definitive Mike Cole. He says, I'm the East Coast tattoo up the mountains of West Virginia. Uh, I'm the East Coast Mike Cole up in the mountains of West Virginia. Yes. Nice. Way to represent West Virginia, Mike. Right on, dude. I might be coming back out there uh, in October. Country roads, take me home. Dynamite drop in Ricardo. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's it's still still kind of up Denver. in the air. Um, nothing's really definitive as of yet, but um, I don't know. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe. 
I don't know. I, I make no promises at this point in time because I did promise myself I would Ricardo. be a little bit of a step back from shows this year. Yes, sir. What are you working on there, bud? Can you guys see it or no? Okay, I'm driving right now, but I, I'm, uh, I'm working on a working on a big black and gray sleeve of uh, Zeus and some some uh, pillars and some Spartan warriors and stuff. Ricardo, yes. the next time you take your gloves off, man, let me know. Uh, bring the camera down, and we'll take a, a good spotlight look at it. Okay, cool. I'm getting closer to that point, so I'll let you guys check it out. Cool. Yeah. Okay, it looks good. So do you prefer man. to have your clients laying down when you're doing sleeves? I really do, dude. It's uh, it's comfortable for me. It's, it's more comfortable for me, and it seems to allow the client to, like, kind of relax into it a little bit more, you know? Um, this... Absolutely. Carter and there's the gravity actually, fed ink. Yeah, you know, and it, it just it makes more sense to me and it feels more comfortable. You know, and, um unfortunately he's been sitting on his laying on his stomach for the past, I don't know, like two hours, three hours, and we just finished the inside of his arm. But that's uh that's a necessary evil, I guess. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. yeah, no, I I actually prefer them laying down as much as possible. It, it seems to work out pretty well nice. for both of us, yeah. Yeah, I'll show you guys here in a second. We're just touching awesome. up a little bit of the face. But I'll show you guys here in a second. Do you, uh, you, do, uh, you do a lot of big sleeves and stuff, right, Seth? I mean, how do you have them land on? Um, it's, uh, it's a lot of musical chairs. I, I, I put them in whatever position I need to, to make sure that they're comfortable enough to sit there for extended amounts of time. Um, I learned my lesson when it comes to the back of the arm that I don't even mess around anymore. I'm like, well, you're just laying face down, you know, as long yeah. as they can physically do it. Yeah. Um, it's a little more difficult for some of my bigger clients to do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, as long as they can, they can lay down, uh, I will absolutely lay them down to work on the back of the forearm, the tricep, um, yeah. any of those areas. Um, but I have, I have one of those chairs. It's like a, uh, it's, it's kind of like a tat sole. It's not, it's a, um, I, I, I forget the name of the, the brand. Ink bed? Ink, ink bed, I think is what it's, yeah, an ink bed, yeah. which, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to give it like a super rain endorsement. It, it worked well for a while when I first got it. I loved it, but, um, parts kind of falling on parts of it are kind of falling off right now so and i'm not slamming them i think it just the mechanics i mean i use the shit out of it so it is what it is but um i, I like being able to um to rotate my clients any way that i need to to make sure that they're as comfortable as possible and um the one thing i like about that event in particular is i think one of the toughest parts of the body to work on is going to be like either the the back or the torso like mid back or mid torso um it's tough for us as tattooers because you know you end up you wind up like leaning across somebody um or you know they have a dip in their back you know, the way they're sitting you know in one of those chairs where they can you can reverse the way that they're sitting and they can lean up against the, you know the one side of the right. chair kind of like a massage chair it yeah. makes it a little bit easier um, and then for the torso i like the idea that the bed goes all the way down um i recently did a piece on this girl the uh witch king uh, riding the fell beast but it goes across her her chest and then down her sternum and the tail wraps around on part of her abdomen um and without the the bed going as low as what it did i would have been killing my back like leaning up over top of her to try and 
do that. And it's, you don't want to have to think about that. You know what I mean? Like, how long can I stand here for? I'd rather yeah. not. I'd rather just be comfortable. But I like to lay down, man. I see more and more people doing that, especially with the larger pieces. One you of the know, other things I'm going to outside of that, one of the other, because I agree with you completely, you know what I mean? And one of the, the next things I'm going to start doing is looking into like getting the heightening my table a little bit more too, where I might be able to stand a little bit more even. See, that's one of the things that I absolutely swear by as far as, so I have one of the Tatsol 570s um, and I absolutely love that thing. Um, it doesn't go super, super high as far as the hydraulic pump goes. But one thing I noticed when I went out uh, and I was at Ricardo's studio not too long ago in January is that um, there were a few guys there that actually had like uh, college bed risers to lift yeah. their tables up. Yep. And that was, that blew my mind because I had never thought of that. Yeah. That's so a great idea. I was like, Oh, maybe that's an idea I should try out, which is great. If your table is stationary. Yeah. Um, if you like to roll your table around a little bit to get it in just the right spot, might be a bit more tricky to do it that way. Uh, but yeah, you know, Sometimes it's what you got to do. Yeah, I think, it, you know, to Ricardo's point, it's, you know, where he's got them laying down there like that. Like, it really is about what if people always say, well, whatever's good for you. And it's like, no, it's it's more about what's good for you. It's already uncomfortable enough. Right. Yeah. Tattoo, you know, and if you're going to have to sit there for three hours, I want to make sure that you know, your butt doesn't get tired or your hip doesn't get sore or something like that. Like one of the most overlooked things for, I think, tattooers, and I've re experienced it myself, having my low calf tattoo. Sorry about that, man. The directions were cutting in there. One of the things that I experienced was that, that um, you know, my hip hurt really bad after having my calf tattooed because I was laying on my side and that that strain of having kind of like your, your femur tilted like that for a long time. I can yeah. see that. It just, uh, yeah, it's, it, I went to stand up and I was like, holy shit, I felt like my hip was out of its socket. So one thing I try to do for my clients, whenever I have to have them lay on their side like that. Um, and it's a way that I, I found kind of helps alleviate that in a lot of clients is I actually have a number of different orthopedic pillows, like the little half round guys. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. And I'll, I'll take those and I'll wrap them up and I'll tell them to put it between their knees. That way it kind of helps straighten out the back and the hips. Oh yeah. And yeah. it can be an absolute game changer. Yeah. A hundred percent. I actually will sleep like that with a pillow like that. Cause it's just so much better. It's your spine straight. Yeah. It doesn't dip down, you know. Helps align everything. Well, then consider too. Well, yeah, and consider too that like we're leaning on that body part too, yeah. right? And we're not just leaning on the calf. Us leaning on the calf is now putting stress higher up at the pivot point. Right. All right, you ready to check this out? Yep. Let me spot Always. Right here. Hell yeah. Yeah. Wrap this up real quick. Hold on. 
Only if when you're done showing us, you look up and flex at the camera. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's see what we got here. Hold on. Uh, that's my ugly mug. Hang on one second. Oh, so pretty. Uh -huh. And rotate your camera. So oh, we have yeah. a landscape. There we go. Oh, look at that, dude. Yeah, I'm at a little bit more dark right here next to this eyebrow. Right, right. Of that eyebrow. Um, you got those those perfect. dude. Those eyes look great. Yeah, man. That that brow, the eyes just like sink in. That looks so good. Thank you. Bravo, dude. Yeah, let's see the inside of your arm real quick. Here. Yeah, man. This is what we've been working on today. Woo! Yes, yes, dude. Excellent placement dude, with that column, it. man. Thank you. And yeah. then we got the back of the arm and the too. Lightning too. That negative space. Let's see. Oh yeah, buddy. There you go. Now you're leaving the, the lightning all negative. Yeah, like I'm going to go back through and do like a really light yeah. wash and leave some real thin negative to have like a streak kind of coming through it, you know, yeah. but we're we're trying to knock out the big bulk first. Oh, so very I think nice. It's it the third or fourth sitting, right? Fourth. Fourth Killer. I remember seeing that when you first started and I think you posted it. Yeah. Yeah, man, that looks great, dude. You got a great tattoo there. Hell buddy. yeah, man. Hell yeah. yeah. So we'll be working on these guys here in, for a little bit today, too, um, if you want to roll your arm nice. over. Nice. We got like a whole kind of fighting scene going on. That'll be fun. That's going to be nasty awesome, when it's done, man. Thanks, dude. Cool. Yep. Yeah, I like the shield on the back of the arm. Well done. Thank you, guys. Um, my phone's about to die, so I'm going to have to plug it back in. You just don't want to be on here with us anymore, and yeah. that's okay. <laughs> You don't have to lie to us, man. I'm actually, yeah. I'm actually gonna have to uh, get out of here in a minute. As I was well. gonna say it's about that time for us to be wrapping everything up as well. So why don't we go awesome. through? Ricardo, uh, that studio looks awesome. Ricardo, why Thank don't you. you give us a quick little shout out and tell us where we can find you? Uh, yeah, my name is Ricardo Sertivant. You can find me at uh, Artcore Tattoo on Instagram or uh, Ricardo Sertivant on Instagram. Um, send me some messages. Say what's up. It's always good to be on here, Jason. Thank you. Seth, good Anytime. to talk to you again. You too, bud. Have a good day. All right. Peace, guys. Later. And Seth, if you don't mind getting back on camera. There we go. My name is Seth Mushrush. Uh, you can find me on Instagram by my full name, Seth Mushrush, spelled exactly how it sounds. Uh, I have a website, uh, sethmushrushart.com. And I can be found tattooing uh, full-time in media, Pennsylvania, at Baker Street Tattoo, just outside of the city. And also a couple days a month up in Massachusetts and Concord at a shop called The Gallery Tattoo Studio. Thanks for having me on, Jason. Anytime, Seth. Thanks a lot for jumping in. And we'll go to me. Thanks a lot, everyone, for tuning in today. Uh, this has been Skill Building Sunday Drawing Group. Uh, episode 103 on April 2nd uh, started at 1 p.m. If you like today's show, go through, hit that like and subscribe button down at the bottom. Make sure to leave us a positive comment. Let us know what you want to see in the next episode. And um, yeah, we will catch everyone next Sunday. Uh, no, not next Sunday. Next Sunday is a holiday. So uh, we will see everyone the following Sunday for episode 104. Until then, keep those hands moving, keep those brushes moving, um, and keep those machines moving, and I will catch up with everyone in two weeks.
Thanks a lot, everyone. Take care and have a great Thanks, day. Thanks, Jason.